Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jody Holbrook Show. I'm your guest host, Dario Harris, and with my main man, producer James Mesh. How's it going, James? How you doing, Mr. Dario? Glad to have you back. Right, it's good to be here, man. Looking forward to it. we got a great show today. Uh, we're going to talk about the local school today. We're going to talk about those Raging Cajuns, and we've got one of our guests come up at 2.30, Corey Diaz from the uh, Daily Advertiser, is going to tell us all things Raging Cajuns. And then at the second hour at 3.30, we got Jim Gazzolo from Lake Charles American Press. We're going to talk about those McNeese Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Let, let's get into it. Yeah. I had uh, the Cowboys. A funny story about those guys. They recruited me out of uh, Port Arthur, Texas. Oh, yeah? When I was a senior in high school. And I, and I did take a site visit, too. Uh, back in the 70s, they had some great teams, won national championships. So looking forward to talking to Jim about those McNeese Cowboys and see what their plans are because – as you know, they got a new head coach this year, and they're expecting uh, some great things. They'll try to turn that program around. Oh, yeah. Can't, can't wait to see what the Cowboys look like this year. Yeah, and uh, speaking of new coaches, we got Raging Cajuns with new coach, Coach uh, Mike Dez, uh, first year there with the uh, Raging Cajuns, and uh, they announced their starting quarterback uh, today, right? Yeah, they, they announced him pretty much Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, that it was going to be Chandler Fields. Right, right. Speaking of quarterbacks, yesterday we, we talked about this guy a little bit, and today the Panthers named Baker Mayfield the starting quarterback. How about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I would probably say it was expected because, I mean, if you're going to trade for your QB, you would probably expect him to start, and you ultimately probably give him the job unless he just – absolutely flops while he's at practice and at camp. But, I mean, it's good to see that they actually named him a week ahead instead of waiting till the last minute. Yeah, it must, he must have been real impressive. I mean, uh, had some good workouts and games. And I guess the coaches made that decision early to go with him. So now Baker gets a chance to, to rewrite the history books and, and get a fresh start, a clean slate with North Carolina. Yeah, can't, can't wait to see what it looks like with them. I, I know it'll be new for him since – I mean, he, he was so used to playing with players like Nick Chubb and David Njoku, and he had Jarvis Landry for a while, but now he's got DJ Moore, and he's got a hell of a running back in Christian McCaffrey. Oh, yeah, uh, Superman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's been great uh, rushing and passing. I mean, he's a, he's a threat either way, out of backfield or rushing the ball and catching passes. Yeah, you, and he's so versatile that you could even throw him out at wide receiver if you really wanted to. Yeah, I've seen him run. his first year was running back kickoff return, so the guy, can, <laughs> he can do it all. Yeah, it was kind of like the same thing with Alvin Kamara that, that first year. They had him on kick return and a little bit of punt return as well. Yeah, and he's proven to be a real uh, great back coming out of backfield catching passes. Matter of fact, last year, didn't he catch close to 100 balls last year? Yeah, Kamara, his first three years, he had 81 catches exactly his first three years. Yeah. Last year, he didn't catch the ball as much since – they really relied on him to run the ball. Mm-hmm. He only had 47 receptions compared to Pretty. having 81, 81, and 81. But yeah. I would presume he's going to go back to about that 80, 80 uh, catch 
Yeah, race. He, did, he did a great job. I watched him. They, they lined him out wide a few times, and if you change the guy's number and give him an a 80s number, he looked like a wide receiver. <laughs> or if you throw him out with a single digit or a, a teens number, yeah, it, you'd almost think he's a wide receiver as well. Yeah, so that's great that the guy can uh, be that versatile and uh, and what a, what a big part of the offense. I think he contributed uh, probably about 75% offense in plays he was involved with for his first three or four years. So he's just done a great job. And it, what, what round was he taking in, James? I can't remember, but it was a, a late or middle-round pick, wasn't he? He was, he was a day-two pick. Yeah. He was, yeah. In the, he was in the third round. They traded up to go get him. Yeah. So they shows you these geniuses at the combine, they do miss every once in a while, don't they? <laughs> Oh yeah, there's always gems later in later rounds that you never expect, even undrafted. Yeah, guys that come in in the later rounds, and you wonder how this guy get looked over. But uh, it happens every year because they go about a lot of statistics from the combine, you know, running, jumping. But again, you you can't judge the size of the guy's heart or the fight in him, you know. So that that plays a big part in it. Not to mention, I mean, you can always look at Tom Brady as one of those late round picks where. If you, if you get picked later than you thought or you don't even get picked at all, it's almost like that extra chip on your shoulder. Everybody passed over Brady. They, <laughs> showed, they showed highlights of him running a four-yard dash. It was not pretty. Oh, no. <laughs> I've seen linemen run faster than that. But, look, <laughs> the guy's been a great quarterback. So, hey, uh, you know, running's not everything for a quarterback. you got to have that arm and, and have that what it takes between the ears, you know, to, to read the defenses. Oh, yeah. you got to be able to have good decision-making. you got to have a good enough arm. Doesn't have to be the best, but it's like, look, if you're able to get where you need to, it's all that matters. And be smart with the football. Don't turn it over because, as you know, you know turnovers cost you games. So protect the ball. You, at least you got a chance. Don't beat yourself. Yeah, and he's he learned really quickly. He he's able. He's not athletic like a Lamar or a Kyler Murray, but he's really good at like shifting up, down, left, right in the pocket to avoid the sacks and still get it off and avoid sacks which that's one thing that Matt and I we'd looked up statistics it's like Brady is near the bottom when it comes to being sacked because he just avoids it so often and he he just knows the defense he he knows when he needs to get it off to avoid the big hits which is why he's pretty much lasted so long yeah he knows when to get rid of the ball too he'll throw it away to avoid that hit which is smart on him I mean he's lasted a long time playing that way so it's working for him when you say that oh yeah I mean Avoids the sacks, avoids the interception. He'll he'll live with the dump offs all day if you give it to him, and and, and people hate it. But it's like, look, at the end of the day, that's winning football. Yeah, to li- all you want to do is live another down. Right. And speaking of Brady, he reported to camp uh, yesterday. I think he had like what eleven or or nineteen day vacation there. Yeah, he, he took about a two two weeks off. He said he would be back after the second preseason game. We didn't know exactly when. But he reported back yesterday, so you, you never had to worry about it. It's smart on his part. You know, the veterans, they've gone through two days in camps, and they, they hate that. So if they can come back after the two days over, you're down to one practice a day, that's what they want to do. And a uh, uh, year before, Grunt did the same thing. He stayed out till most of the two days were over, and then he came back in. So those guys are wise. They're going to save their bodies for the regular season and not burn up in training camp. Exactly, especially when whenever you're that old, like someone like Tom Brady who's – 45 now it's like look i know what i'm doing i don't need to practice just i know what i need to do to prepare for the game and i'll be ready for game day don't worry about me well let's let's not let's not call him old james let's just say he's a veteran <laughs> old 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 in football years old in football I, years. i'm old in brady so let's just call him a, a veteran not old okay <laughs> yeah yeah i got you 
So what do we have coming up? Uh, we've got also, uh, we got the rookie re- uh, reports that we'll go over later on. Uh, each week they grade the rookies, mm-hmm. and I think you'd be surprised if some of the rookies and what their scores were. And uh, I'll tell you right off, Olavi from the Saints uh, was given a B on this past week's performance. It was pretty good. But we'll go over more of those later on in the segment here and talk about that. You want to you hit on that next segment? Yeah, next segment we'll, we'll cover that. Okay. It'll be good. What so, else? Uh, we we could also just talk about what happened even last night. They had a Monday night preseason game with the Falcons and Jets. Yeah, what was your takeaway from that game? Well, for me, I do fantasy football, and I I even I had told you about it yesterday. I'm in a dynasty league where we're playing for ten plus years with the same team. Like whatever players I drafted, I'm keeping for years and years and years until I drop or trade one of them. Mm-hmm. But with I ended up I traded up to get two picks in the first round and my second pick I took Kyle Pitts and seeing him last night at 66240 wow. just burning past the the linebackers and the safeties and getting a 52 yard catch I was like all right lo- love to see that <laughs> love love to see my my young tight end wow uh, 66 you said yeah he's 66 he's 240 he he's kind of been described as like one of those generational talent players since He's so fast for his size that you could – he plays tight end, and that's his position, but you could also split him out wide, so you you have a lot of versatility with him. Yeah, he reminds me of Kevin Winslow with that size and speed. Oh, yeah, Kevin Winslow. Yeah. Hey, I'm looking at some of the, the draft grades we're talking about. Uh, the uh, Is it Drake Jackson uh, for the 49ers came in with a C, high draft charts with a C grade, and that's not good at all. And then Kenny Pickett, the quarterback for the Steelers, has been real impressive. This is the only guy out of the rookies two weeks in a row he's graded out an A. Ooh. So Ben Roethlisberger might not be missed as much as people think he's going to be missed. <laughs> and it's interesting because a lot of people were initially looking at Mitchell Trubisky as the starting QB, but Pittsburgh hasn't named a QB yet, and I feel like if Kenny, I guess, has another grade A for this final preseason game, he might be. They, it, it, it'll probably still be in the air. We might not know exactly who will be there until we get to regular season game number one. I think he may be start opening day because Trubisky. I mean, I wasn't very high on him, but I was surprised when they got him. I said they're gonna need somebody else, but they were uh, they were high on uh, Kenny Pickett, and he's come in and proven to be everything they thought he would be. So it could be a rookie on opening day starting for the Steelers. The thing, the thing for me with Trubisky is that no you felt like it was a little underwhelming and the bears traded so much to move up one pick to go get him whenever the 49ers weren't even going to take him at two it's interesting but when you look at it he made the playoffs with matt Nagy as his coach and matt Nagy failed as a head coach and had a terrible offensive system and the the numbers were not very impressive when you looked at it so the fact that Trubisky was able to overcome having a bad head coach and a bad scheme and was still able to get to a playoff game and play the Saints. And even though the numbers weren't great, if you really watch it, Trubisky played pretty well. And if it weren't for his receivers maybe dropping a pass or dropping a touchdown deep, the game would have been a lot closer. And they could have had a decent chance at winning because the Saints, that wild card game, they didn't look all that impressive in my eyes. The the de- the offense for the Saints looked kind of sluggish. It 
It didn't really have much of a rhythm. The defense played pretty well, but there were plenty of opportunities that the Bears just weren't able to capitalize on. And if they were able to, we could have seen a much different result. And Trubisky, I mean, on paper, the guy looks like he could be, you know, all world. I mean, he's a size, has that great arm strength. And he's got athleticism. He's got athleticism, but he just is something about him that it's been a couple years now. He hadn't been able to put together with two teams. It's something that's missing there. I just can't put my finger on what it is, but uh, it's something the guy's just lacking because he's got all the natural ability and all the twos, but it just hadn't all come together for him yet. So maybe there's this change of scenery and new coaches, new city. Maybe this will help uh, him kind of like complete the journey and, and put it all together for one year. Yeah, because if you look at it in 2021, he, he took a backup role with Buffalo and sat behind Josh Allen and kind of quote-unquote QB guru Brian Dable, who's now the head coach for the Giants. He kind of sat – he kind of did the same thing with what Jameis did with Sean Payton and the Saints. Like he sat behind Drew for a year, learned – and then, like, now he's taking his opportunity, and it kind of feels like it's the same thing with Trubisky because he took the year off, decides to take less money and become a backup and take that backup role and kind of learn and, like, take a step back to, to see what he did wrong and use this new team in the Steelers as a new opportunity to take over and show what he's learned. Yeah, because this might be uh, his last opportunity. I mean, you go to three teams in, in four years or four teams in five years, that's not very good. Your next yeah. stop is down to the, you know, what, the USFL league. Yeah, you might go to USFL or maybe even the CFL, who knows. it. That's Those are always possibilities, but I think looking at him, it's kind of like the same thing with Nick Foles, where Nick Foles had some different places where he started, but he was never a consistent starter, and you've seen him bounce around and become a lot like a journeyman, like a Chase Daniel or kind of recently like a Andy Dalton who was previously with the Bears with Trubisky and Matt Nagy and is now with the Saints to back up and kind of help mentor a little bit with Jameis. And Nick Foles was almost like a mystery to me because whenever he came off the bench and someone was injured, he, mm-hmm. had, he picked it up and done well, led the team to the playoffs, did really good. The next year, he's named a starter, and then he just regresses and, and doesn't do as well. Then he goes to another team, a guy gets hurt. He does the same thing again, picks up and takes the guys to the playoffs. It just seemed like whenever he got the opportunity to take over and lead the team, for some reason, it, it fell short for him. I mean, and, and I can remember we had a quarterback like that for the Dolphins. The guy was great coming off the bench. When they were Don Strzok, he was one of the best. But if you told him he was going to start, the guy was just nervous all week, <laughs> sweating, bouncing off his head. You know, I'm like, what's going on with this guy? Because he he had all the ability. He could do it. He did every day in practice. But he wasn't a star. He's the type of guy, James, if you wait and let the first quarter go by and then throw him in there, he'll come in and light up. But if you let him start, man, it's just something about starting – he just not he couldn't handle it, man. He really just couldn't handle it. It was kind of, it's kinda of like a relief pitcher role where it's like, look, don't have me start the whole game, but it's like if I come in a little later and save the day, I'm all for it. It it they actually kinda of I remember seeing recently on like Instagram where it was a guy ranking kind of like NFL ultra egos. And one of them was Nick Foles coming in coming in late into a game to have a crazy comeback. Because he did it multiple times with the Bears and he obviously did it with the Eagles whenever he came in for Wentz, and he had a good year for in 2013. It's just after that he went to go play backup roles for the Rams and I believe another team, but I just 
can't think of it off top. It there was another one I forget. Oh, it was Lashawn McCoy. Whenever whenever he plays in a snow game, is like he played in like two or three of them, but it was he had damn near like career days whenever he plays in the snow. <laughs> it's funny and like Deshaun Jackson. Anytime he has a revenge game, so it's like whenever Deshaun went from the Eagles to Washington and when he was on Washington. Whenever he played the Eagles, he had just huge games. Or when he went to the Bucks, he just had a huge game against the Eagles or Washington. And then when he went back to the Eagles, if he played the Bucks or Washington, he just had huge games. It's weird. It's like anytime he played a former team, he just he had, great. he had he had amazing games. Yeah, he had a chip on his shoulder for all his old teams. He wanted to show them that they. It's like you know, this is what you mistake. get for releasing me. Exactly, and the guy had just I mean, he was amazing when he plays old team. He just they couldn't he couldn't be stopped. And is and, and another one just like Nick Foles is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Whenever he just comes in or leaves, but he's not yet named the starter, he plays amazing. Yeah. And then he plays good for like a week or two when he is the starter and he is named the starter. But then by that third week, it's like he just falls off and like all the gas is gone. He doesn't have any more stamina and just throws like three interceptions. Like okay, now I remember why you were on the bench. Yeah. So we need professional relief quarterbacks in football guys who we need can't a fr- start, but they can come off the bench and, and win the game. That's what that's what I've almost wondered is like, what if you have your own unique Q, two QB system where you have a great guy who's good at starting games and like can get you like two or three touchdowns in the first half. And then it's like, let's say you go down late in the game, you bring in your relief quarterback, and then you just have like a Nick Foles or Ryan Fitzpatrick to come and save the day. Hey, we did it with Miami. We we had David Woodley from LSU to start, and we got behind and down. They'd bring in Don Strock to come save the day, and he would do it over and over, but you just couldn't start the guy. Yeah. Well, hey, we're going to take a quick break here. You listen to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. If that's not enough action, you can also place a same-game parlay for a shot at an even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win, which team will score first, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. There's a call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 issued as $825 free bets. Restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to the Hardy Jordy Hallberg Show. I'm your host, Dario Harris. And you listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Hey, James, I was just thinking about it. Uh, the Saints held Michael Thomas out for another week with a hamstring, and that's a couple days in a row now. I don't know if we're getting concerned or worried, but uh, what's your thoughts on that? So far, I've heard he's, he hasn't played and we're – or he hasn't practiced, and we're waiting for him to come back. But for me, the plan has always been we're going to take our time, and once you're ready, we're going to rev you up and get you ready for week one. And so far, I haven't heard anything from Dennis Allen or 
Michael Thomas himself saying that he won't be ready for week one. So as far as I know, I'm still expecting him to be ready for week one, even though he has had another setback with this hamstring injury. Yeah, but my, my concern is a, a former wide receiver, a uh, guy hadn't played in, in a couple seasons, and now he's coming back with a, a new quarterback. I mean, when have they had time to get any type of timing down is my concern because they haven't played together. And when James was playing, uh, Michael Thomas was out. James was hurt. Michael Thomas still was out. Now James is back playing, and Thomas is being held out again. So I don't think they've had time to ever get a chance to really play together, but opening week they might be out there for the first time together. And I'm just wondering what kind of time and and what kind of uh, – are they going to be on the same page, you know? It's, it's difficult to not play with a guy and come with a different guy in a couple of years and play with someone else. So I'm just wondering whether they have any type of chemistry between the two of them. Yeah, I know they were able to throw to each other a little bit to begin camp, but then Jameis got the foot, and then now Mike is being sat out because of his hamstring. So they haven't had too much time together, but now this will be Jameis's third year in pretty much the same system, even though Sean Payton's gone. Pete Carmichael was one of the architects of helping Sean Payton come up with the offense. So it's not like the offense is going to change much. It's still going to be very much short passing game screens, get be very time-oriented and having a rhythm in the passing game. So, and this is Mike's sixth year since he was drafted in 2016, pretty much in the same offense. So they they should know how it works. It's just the only thing would worry me is maybe just having that natural QB to wide receiver chemistry of not necessarily the timing, but just knowing of how Mike would run his route and how he would do it this way and how Jameis would be able to get him the ball and when he would be able to. And that's my point. Yeah, It's going to be tough to have that type of chemistry when you don't play together. Yeah, both the guys are professionals. They, they know the system, the routes, but – when when Mike was there with Drew, they knew where each other was going to be. When Drew got in trouble, Mike knew where to be to get open and vice versa. So uh, I'm just concerned when James has to get out of the pocket and he wants to go right and Mike Thomas wants to go maybe left, they're on, <laughs> on the same page. So yeah. you need to have some type of uh, relationship and get that chemistry together. And, and you talk about it after practice. You go through different scenarios so that when it happens – you don't have time to think about it out there. Everything's moving, you know, really fast. So you have to just be automatic with where you're going to go if he gets in trouble. What do I need to do to get open? So that's what I worry about: that, that having that that real chemistry relationship that they need to have. And the only way to get that is through repeti- uh, going through repeti- uh, repetitions, you know, over and over and over until it's second nature. And that's what they're lacking from not having a uh, a training camp together uh, to work at. And. Yeah, that is something that you need to work on. The only thing with me is you almost you have to respect Michael Thomas if you're an opposing defense. So let's say he's not completely healthy and maybe him and Jameis don't have the chemistry all together just yet. You still have to respect him and put one of your better players on him. So that puts a lot of attention on him still, and you could almost use him as a decoy and go to your other reliable receivers that you've had all camp and Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave that you've started to build chemistry with, and you could go to them more often, and as you're building 
your reps with Mike, it would just become more and more fluent throughout the season. Exactly. So I, I would I wouldn't say it's necessarily like a doom and gloom thing. It's something to look out for, but I wouldn't say it's an end all be all. Oh no, it's it's just something that's gonna take time. And my thing is you just don't want to take that time during the regular season because the games yeah. mean something. You know, you want to use that time in a preseason or in practice where it isn't as costly. So, but to, to work on something like that during the season, you know, that's some games that you could have won a close game because you're not on the same page. So, I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope they can uh, get it back healthy as soon as possible because they they do need time together. I don't care who it is out there. You need some time with each other to know what each other's thinking and what you're going to do in a certain situation. Yeah, and. What I'm what I'm looking for is not just tight, not just wide receivers, and not even running backs. And I'm I'm kind of curious what Jameis and his chemistry with Adam Trotman is like. Since Adam before his before his season-ending injury, he was up and down throughout the beginning of the season, but towards the end, and especially against that Eagles game. I would I would say he probably had one of his best games ever against against Philly and it wasn't even with Jameis. Adam was finally starting to get it together, so I'm wondering I know Adam will be tight end one again, but I I'm kinda curious what he will look like and what strides he's taken and where's the chemistry with him and Jameis. It's it's the whole passing game which is gonna be uh it's gonna be a big test for the whole passing game on, on day one out there in the regular season because they haven't had a chance to, to work on it all summer. So we're all just going to have to sit back, I guess, and wait and see what product we get on the field and, and see how the pass game goes. But we got a couple weeks for that. Hey, we're getting uh, close to our guest. we got uh, Corey Diaz coming up uh, from the uh, Daily Advertiser. He's going to talk all things Raging Cajuns. And then at 3.30, we got Jim Gazzalo from Lake Charles, the American Press, talking McNeese football. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, we'll have Corey Diaz online and get a chance to find out about the Raging Cajuns. You listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. You listen to the Jordy Harburg Show. I'm your guest host, Duriel Harris. And if you like tailgating, we've got the package for you. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway. Football season is here. And the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, wants to crown you the tailgating king. With the ultimate tailgating package giveaway, powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score $500 of Chop specialty meats, a new grill, a cooler, a set of chairs, even a $500 Visa gift card. Tickets to LSU games and Raging Cajun football games and so much more. Enter the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and The Game. Well, we're back, and we've got our first guest on, uh, Mr. Corey Diaz from the Daily Advertiser. Corey, how's it going, man? Corey, I'm doing well, man. How are you guys doing today? Uh, oh, we're doing great. Just uh, glad to be inside to, to stay dry with that rain coming down like it is. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, 
yeah, I guess we ought to be keeping the folks in the Fort Worth out there in our thoughts, right, man? Just from what I've seen the last couple of days, it's not yeah. good out there, and it seems to be coming this way. So yeah. hopefully this rain will get out of here pretty quick. Yeah, it's hit. mess up any, any of our football plans over the next couple of weekends. Right. If we just get a portion of it and not get the full uh, front breast of it, you know, we'll be okay. Hey, listen, man, uh, let's talk about those raging Cajuns. Uh, you got a new head coach, uh, Coach D, and uh, – you know, uh, last year they had a great season. Uh, what are some of the things you think that need to work on to improve over last year? Yeah, I, mean, I think coming off coming off of last year, you know, um, I think a lot of people outside of outside of the football program, right, would say thirteen one. You know, arguably the the best season in school history. Uh, you know, what's left to fix, and obviously, uh, you know, with Desmo taking over, uh, you know, for Billy Napier, who's now the head coach of Florida. Um, you know, he's been he's been with Billy uh, his entire stint there and even before. So uh, Desmo's been been a, his his alma mater, uh, Louisiana, for, for six-plus years. He's been there longer than anyone. He, he knows the nooks and the crannies. Kind of He knows where, you know, kind of the dust hasn't been able to be swept up in the dustpan just yet. You know, he, he knows where to, to start to clean this thing up. And, you know, in any time, you know, you have a coaching change, right, there's, there's things that, you know, each new head coach wants to sort of, establish and implement, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, schematics or maybe even just operational day-to-day logistical things. And I think, you know, I think one of the things that was important for for Dez taking over from Billy was, although he saw that the, the, the culture that Billy had running there was obviously effective and it worked, uh, you know, 41 wins in the last four seasons, I think four straight divisional championships, three mm-hmm. straight appearances in, in the Sunbolt Conference Championship game. So it, what Billy was doing was working. But I, I think he wanted to, to, to kind of spin this in his own way. You know, I think he wanted a, a little more of a relaxed environment within the football facility building. Uh, I think he wanted his guys to feel like, yeah, we're going to work as hard as we've been working, but, you know, let, let's have a little fun. Let, let's cut up a little bit. Let's joke around a little bit. Let, let, let's relax things around the, the, the building a little bit. So I think that's been the biggest thing. You know, the players have talked about that a lot. You know, from a, from a competition standpoint, like on the field during preseason practice, they have not noticed they drop off at all in terms of intensity level and things of that nature from the, from the Napier area to the Desmo area so far. You know, it's been more about kind of what they do amongst themselves, you know, even, say, when the coaches aren't even there. Uh, you know, and I, I think that's a big thing. And I'm, I'm really curious, Duriel, to see how that's going to translate onto the field on Saturdays uh, because, you know, I've been doing this long enough. I've been around a multitude of, you know, sort of team environments. Uh, I've been around the, the very regimented, like the Billy Napiers, and I've also been around the really lax, too, so... And you never really know what you're going to get, but it's all about the, the particular the group that you have each year. And um, I think this group, you know, from a lot of the players that I've been able to, to spend some time around, really fun, energetic, lively guys. And I think I think a more relaxed, fun environment may may be just what this team needed. Uh, and obviously, come next weekend, you know, will be the kind of the first of those twelve tests, and we'll see kind of how that looks. But uh, you know, I think that was the biggest thing for, for, for Des, right? It was just, you know, let's try to change the culture up a little bit. Uh, you know, kept a lot of the, you know, same coaches on staff and, you know, made some changes here or there. But, uh, you know, I think stability and continuity was a big thing. And, um, you know, so we'll, we'll see how all that piece, 
all that comes together and they piece it together come next Saturday. But, um, you know, obviously the big piece of that puzzle, right, was, was getting, was, was naming your starting quarterback. And obviously they did that this week. And I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah, I was going to be my next question about uh, naming Chandler Fields as the starting quarterback for the occasion. Was it uh, close competition or did uh, Chandler have this sewed up uh, weeks ago? <laughs> uh, they, uh, whatever the, the, the furthest opposite word from, uh, you know, easy, uh, I would say, is, is the correct descriptor here. Um, you know, because you got to think about this, right? I mean, you know, UL goes, plays in the New Orleans Bowl, beats Marshall last year, last December in New Orleans in the Superdome. And, you know, really from that moment on, right, each coach say, you know, it's kind of, you know, we'll, we'll take a little bit of time. And then, you know, when we get back, it's time to go to work. And, and Chandler Fields and Ben Woolrich, man, ever since they got back, you know, it, they'd been locked in a battle for the starting quarterback job going back to, you know, to January and February. I mean, I mean, it's about as early as you can go into this offseason. Um, you know, of course, Des thought that this thing was, was going to, you know, be tight throughout preseason camp, and, and it was. Um, but, he, but he did say, you know, he kind of felt like, you know, as things progressed uh, during preseason practice that it became more and more evident. It became more and more clear, uh, you know, who that top guy was and who was going to give them the best chance to, to go out and win football games. And obviously that was Chandler. And really, I think it boiled down to kind of the the creativity factor, and but also the, the the trusting of what you see in the development of the play and making quick decisions. Uh, you know, we you know we get we only get 14 minutes of a media view, viewing period at practice, so that so their last team scrimmage, we were able to kind of see all that we're out there for two hours. And uh, so I really got a chance to, to stand behind, um, you know, either in front or behind the play and kind of watch both quarterbacks, you know, work through their progressions, uh, you know, see how quickly uh, they notice things and, and how quick did they make those decisions after something developed. And, and, I, and I thought, and I'm pretty, I think I tweeted this during the scrimmage, um, but I, I thought just after a couple of series, it was really evident to me that, that Chandler – trusted not only himself more but he trusted his guys more to, to make plays he was he was very decisive um you know and i think this offense this year is going to be very predicated on a, a lot of quick passes getting the ball to their best their best football players you know which is the michael jeffersons and the peter leblancs and and, and you know the errol rogers you know outside right. you know these are the guys that are going to make plays for this team and so I think, you know, Tim Leger and, and the rest of the offense, they're going to want to get the ball in those guys' hands as quickly as possible. So those quick, trusting, very decisive uh, plays and passes are going to be what this offense relies on. And I think Chandler excels at that, and I think that's what ultimately won him this job. Mm-hmm. Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser. Now, Corey, Duriel and I are both former wide receivers. Could you talk maybe a little more about the wide receiver and tight ends? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is look. Uh, I think the tight, I think the tight end group from top to bottom uh, is probably the, the deepest and most talented uh, tight end group that that probably the that UL football programs ever had. You know, you got Johnny Lumpkin, you got Neil Johnson, uh, you got Miskell there. I mean, these guys are 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 guys that I truly think 
can go out there and catch five to seven passes a game, uh, but also you know do uh, handle their responsibilities in the run game and in the blocking game uh, as effectively as anyone else. Um, you know the, the tight end position for for this offense. It's going to be a weapon this year, and and you you're going to need to have that too because you know again, you know when you look at the just the sheer amount of uh, talent and skill that the Cajuns have out wide, um, you know, I think Michael Jefferson is a if he has a strong year this year, he, he will play his way into being an NFL draft pick. Um, you know he's he's prototypical, right? Six foot four, he's a little bit over two hundred pounds. I mean he's a great route runner. I mean he's got strong hands. He's got everything that, you know, any NFL franchise would want in a wide receiver. And then when you couple that with, I think, who's going to end up being another NFL draft pick and Johnny Lumpkin at tight end, you line those two guys up on the same side of the formation. You're going to make a lot of – you're going to make every defensive coordinator that you face, they're going to have to make decisions. Who who do we want to take out of this play? You know, how in the – you know, Opposite of that, with Tim Leger and the offense, you know, how can we create mismatches? And I think there's there's a plethora of ways on the perimeter for Louisiana to create a lot of mismatches this year. And that's going to be something that I think really propel them. Um, you know, again, and we talked about, you know, that first question is how do you get better from a 13-1 season? It doesn't look like there's a lot of room. I mean, I, I think there's room to improve um, with, with just the, the use of the passing game and, and how do you implement and utilize your tight ends and your wide receivers because I think there's a real opportunity there for this team uh, to be as good as they've ever been um, as it pertains to you know getting the ball into their wide receivers' hands, their wide receivers and being able to make plays after they catch the ball, yards after catch. You know we hear that talked about all the time. I think this is a group that can really have those yaks, um, you know, as well as the tight end group too. So. These guys, I would anticipate and expect them to be heavily involved in the game plan each and every week for the Cajun. Now, I want to move to another side of the ball in the special teams. There's a there's a competition at kicker right now. I'm, I'm sure a lot of Cajuns fans are wondering, Kenny Amadaris, was, it was kind of like his job to lose, but there's been reports that he's been struggling lately. Yeah, you know, he... Um, you know, I'll admit, you know, he he didn't have his best day, you know, during the um, during the final team scrimmage, you know, last weekend. Uh, you know, he missed a couple of kicks, and, and it, it kind of just looked like, you know, seeing the, you know, from from snap to kick, you know, it felt like the timing was a, just a, a shade of a hair off. Uh, you know, I thought Preston Stafford, uh, to me, he he impressed me the most during what we were able to see um, during the scrimmage this past Saturday. Uh, I think he's, you know, when you compare leg strength, I think he's really close to Almondaris, and, and uh, he was, he was at, he was one hundred percent accurate, you know, um, during the scrimmage, and so, uh, you know, he was, you know, Desmo was asked about that, you know, after the scrimmage, uh, I believe he's asked that on Monday, and, and you know, he said it's, just, you know, the, the, the competition there is as open as it's been, you know, and and uh, you know they got Luke Pascal there, who's the new special teams coordinator, and, and he said it, he and Luke have had some conversations, and that and if the kicking competition rolls into game week, and and uh, I, I think I think the coaching staff would also would be open to uh, utilizing both kickers in that first game against Southeastern Louisiana, just to see get these guys in actual game situations and get their see how they perform, you know, when their uh, heart rates up some, and so. Uh, I would not be surprised if you see two kickers um, in the season opener next weekend. Um, but also, you know, there's 
there's a little more than a handful of practices between now and then. So, you know, whether it's Preston or, or whether it's, you know, Almondares, you know, these guys could end up, you know, ultimately winning that job for themselves uh, between now and then. But, yeah, man, it, that, that competition, I think, uh, of any other position on the field uh, for this team, I think it's as wide open as any other. Yeah, we know the offense is predicated around getting the ball out quickly, Corey, but what about the offensive line? They did have a couple losses, I believe. How is the offensive line looking this summer? Yeah, you know, they, uh, you know, if you count the injury to Carlos Rubio uh, last year, you know, they were looking to, um, you know, they were looking to fill four, four open spots along the offensive line. Obviously, Rubio is back, uh, and he, you know, he's 100% ready to go. Um, I'll, I'll tell you guys, um, the offensive line is going to be just fine. I thought they were the most impressive group across the board, uh, you know, during the, the team scrimmage on Saturday. I thought they, you know, because, look, Louisiana does not lack for, you know, effective and, and really talented and skilled pass rushers. And, and the first-team offensive line more than held their own. They gave both Chandler and Ben ample time to, to, to take their five or even longer, you know, step dropbacks and have time to analyze the field, go through their progressions, and you know, and make their throws. I, I was I was very impressed, you know, with the offensive line. Obviously, you know, AJ Gilly is back. You know, he's the guy that uh, you know started every game last year. Uh, I think he's kind of the the, the the guy that they're looking to for kind of leadership along along the offensive line, but. You know, you got guys like Tanner Hudson, who's been in the program for four years, who, you know, he just so happens that he's been playing behind some really good football players, and, and now it's his turn, and he seems to be really taking advantage of it there at the center position. So you got, you know, you got Rubio back, and you got Gilly back. I mean, this, this offensive line, to me, uh, I think is, has almost kind of entered into this offseason and entered into preseason practice with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think they feel a little disrespected. I think they think that, you know, people – think that's where this team is going to struggle the most is up front along the offensive line and they they seem to have really adopted this mentality of you know we're going to prove everyone wrong and we're going to be really 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 good this year and and, uh, just from what I've seen uh, I tell you guys they they have really answered that call and I would say probably from from start to finish here by the time preseason practice ends they'll probably in my book be the most most improved group on the team. Well uh, thank you I look forward to watching this year Corey I mean uh, sounds like it'll be an exciting time for the Raging Cajun fans this year. Hey, we want to thank you for, for coming on the show, Corey, and we look forward to talking with you again later in the season. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on, man. Y'all stay dry, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Corey. You listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Delta Media is your home for thrilling high school football. This season's lineup includes St. Thomas More on the game 1037 Lafayette, Acadiana High on MeTV FM 97.7 FM, Karen Crow High on Z1059, South, Southside High on Mustang 1071, Vermilion Parish Game of the Week is going to be on 1063 Radio Lafayette, 
The St. Landry Parish game of the week is going to be on News Talk 98.5 FM. And then Barb is going to be on the game 104.1 in Lake Charles. So make sure you download the station's free mobile apps to listen to your favorite teams at home or on the road. Delta Media is your home for Friday night football. Welcome back to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Just a quick recap on our number one. We had uh, Corey Diaz from the Daily Advertiser talking all things Raising Cajuns. And coming up in hour number two, we've got Jim Gazzalo, Lake Charles American uh, Press, going to talk about those McNeese Cowboys. All that's come up in the second hour. Uh, we've got uh, also, we've got, we've got time, we've got a, a poll question we're going to talk about. But we're going to go to a break right now. You listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Welcome back to the Jordy Holtberg Show. I'm your guest host, Dario Harris. You listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. So, James, I heard that uh, KD is not leaving. Yeah, after having a little bit of a saga and then reportedly reiterating that he wants to be traded and says it's either me or you keep your coach and GM, they've they've decided that Duran has reached an agreement with the Nets and he's going to stay in Brooklyn after all. So all this drama just for him to stay. And I thought we'd see uh, KD and LeBron play at least one season together. Oh, that, that would have been interesting. I think more likely than not, you'll, you'll probably see Kyrie re, uh, go back with LeBron and team up there in Los Angeles, but I'm not shocked that they weren't able to come to anything with KD because, I mean, you can make some trades for him, but at the end of the day, Durant's kind of closer towards the tail end of his career, and it's like you don't want to trade, especially somebody like the Celtics, you don't want to trade a young foundational piece of your franchise to get someone who is still really good. But is he really going to propel you to that next level? That's that's something that gets to me because the Celtics were able to make the finals last year with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and other f- fundamental pieces. But if you trade one of them away and you get KD, I, I don't think that increases your chances. If anything, I feel like that maybe lowers your chances. The, the two rings that KD won, that was when he joined an already good team. And they didn't have to lose anything. They didn't have to lose any pieces. They just added KD. With this, you'd be subtracting a big T piece and then get it, getting him. And it's like, does he fill that void that you lose in Jalen Brown and some other players and some future draft picks? Well, they made a move similar to that about, what, five, six years ago with uh, KD, the kid. Kevin Garnett. Remember they brought him over to yeah. the Celtics and, what, they got two championships out of him? They got They got one in 2008. But, I mean, that worked out because you didn't trade too, too much. But then, at the end of the day, you were able to trade Garnett 
and Pierce to Brooklyn to get what you have now in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Yeah, so it wasn't so, a bad deal. Yeah, no, it was, it was <laughs> it pretty great. Out. You got a championship and you got your future as well. I mean, that that was crazy. Yeah. That, that was an absolute swindling from that 2013 trade. Yeah, uh, Danny Ainge, you got to give him credit for that. And what about LeBron? He signed, what, uh, stay two more years uh, with the Lakers? Yeah, he signed for this year. Or he's he's on contract for this year. It was going to be his last year, but then he signed an extra two years. But for 2024, it's going to be a player option, which it makes things interesting because LeBron's always talked about how he wants to play with his son, Bronny. And Bronny is projected to be in the 2024 NBA draft. So if he doesn't get drafted by the Lakers, LeBron can decline his option and then go wherever Bronny goes so that way he can play with the Sun. Yeah, I mean, if anybody can do it, LeBron can. So I could definitely see him staying around for a couple of years waiting for his son. And that would be the first time in NBA history that a father and son have you know played together. And you know how LeBron is. He loves to be the first to, to do things. So I, I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, and then you had another father-son duo in the MLB, oh, I, I, I have the name on the tip of my tongue. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's just got to be Ray. I don't ever recall uh, that father and son duo, but uh, LeBron can definitely do it for the NBA. Ah, uh, Ken, Ken Griffey, Ken yeah. Griffey, senior and junior, were on, were both in the outfield together. Right, right. So I mean, you could almost see that where you have maybe point guard Bronny, since he's not super tall. He's only six foot three. Whereas his dad's six foot eight, six foot nine, so you could almost maybe have him be a point forward, or like maybe have both of them in the backcourt, or maybe just keep Bronny in the back, and then you move LeBron back to the four. Uh, and that's one ticket I would buy to see a game with with those two in it. <laughs> so oh, see see the Jameses play together. Yes, yes, it probably never be done again. No, probably probably not likely. But. I know you talked about earlier how there were some other rankings for the rookies for after week two. I know I know we hit on Chris Olave, we had hit on Kenny Pickett, but I'm sure I'm sure there were some others that really stood out. Yeah, there were some other guys. Uh, I was surprised. Uh, my old team uh, uh, had a guy, the uh, linebacker, that had a grade out with a with a B. Uh, let's see, they had. Uh, who else we had there? We had uh, – I don't see the rankings there, but we had several players. Oh, the guy from uh, from Maryland, the safety, Cross. He's graded – now, he's the only defensive player that's graded two weeks in a row with an A, and and that's pretty strong. It was it was, it was was Ross? D'Angelo Ross? Uh, no, Cross. Oh, Cross. For the, for the Dolphins? No, no. Uh, not for the Dolphins. He's a safety uh, – Come out of Maryland. I I can't think of his name. We'll, we'll come back to him. Yeah, we we can come back to him. Were there any Were there any other rankings then, that uh? And then of that course, got... of course, Pickett. You know, we talked about him earlier. I mean, he was uh, surprised and the highest rated offensive player. So it's been some surprise. I'm sure week three, uh, we'll see if anybody goes to week three with an A. You know, if we get somebody with an A three weeks in a row. Then that that's got to be a good sign for that franchise. They made the right choice. Uh, Nick Cross plays for the Colts. Yeah, the safety. Yeah, yeah, he's been doing really well. So he's playing like a veteran player, and he's just a, you know just a rookie. Yeah, he he may make an impact. I 
I know another rookie that may have a little bit of an impact, I believe, like you can see him as a rotational piece, is with the with the Bengals. Because so far you have Jesse Bates, who's like, that, that's pretty much the leader of your defense. And then you also have Von Bell, who's a former Ohio State Buckeye and New Orleans Saint. But then in this year's draft, the Bengals took, oh, what's his name? Well, they 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 took Dax Hill. There was an there was another one, but Dax Hill is another good piece that they that they had taken. Where it's like, look, if you move on from Von Bell, you can still have Jesse Bates, and then you move Dax Hill, who will be a second year safety, and will have learned and got valuable playing time because he'll be a rotational piece. Because mm-hmm. you got to pay Joe Burrow soon, and yes. <laughs> but you also got to pay. You have to pay Jesse Bates. You can't just keep putting him on franchise tags to the end of his career. So you, you got to pay him at some point. And if you're going to pay Jesse, you're going to have to move on from Vaughn. And that's where Dax Hill is going to come into place. And now you still have a young, good safety that will hopefully progress pretty well. Yeah. I'm looking at the rankings for the, for the conference here. And the, of course, they've got the Saints ranked sixth in the conference. How do you feel about that? It's not bad. I mean, looking at rookies, Trevor Penning, I think, had a much better game than he did last game now he was really he was really good in the run game but he really struggled against the Texans in the past game but I felt like in the past game he against the Packers he was able he was able to improve and do a lot better so I like the strides that he's made you talked about Olave how he was graded a B looking at the other rookies I I think I think six is is a pretty fair ranking it's a little above the average or like the middle ground for the NFC. So that's not too bad. That's good to see because they're not toward the bottom and they're progressing pretty well. Yeah. You know, we've been talking about all the coaching change on the collegiate level, but let's go to the NFL. What about uh, Tampa Bay with new coach Todd Bowles? How do you think they're going to do with uh, Todd at the helm? Yeah, it's interesting because everyone's so down on the Saints because they lose Sean Payton. And now you bring in D.A. who had failed in – in, for the Raiders, but no one's talking about how Todd Bowles, this is his second go-around for him being a head coach, and the first time he did it, he was with the Jets, and he struggled badly. That that team struggled heavily. So I get it, you have Tom Brady, but I remember hearing Malcolm Jenkins in an interview recently with, with Rich Eisen saying, the reason why the Saints have gone four and zero in the regular season in the last two years against Tom Brady and the Bucks is because they just match up really well. And I have a I have a rule of thumb. Kickers to me, if you have a good kicker, that can make the difference in two or three ball games just by themselves. Because the game itself, you're you're usually losing about usually losing if you lose or win it's the the difference is about a field goal so if you have a good kicker and they make it that that field goal is the difference in a game a lot of the time or it's very close to it so the fact that the saints had to go through four different kickers last year now you have will lutz back we've seen him we saw him knock down a 59 yarder in green bay last friday so it's like will lutz is back so to me if you want to kind of take away 
and add all the additions. You lose Sean Payton, you lose Teron Armstead, you lose a couple other players to retirement or whatever. And then, but you also gain a bunch and you got a lot of good talent in the draft and signing players. Like, let's say those two just even out and you don't count either. Looking at getting Will Lutz back, I feel like that progresses the Saints to going from 9-8 and eight last year to going 11-6 and six this year or maybe even 12-5. and five. Yeah, It's possible because you can always have some close games during the season. And if you've got a good special teams unit, they can make the difference in those close games. And like you said, by not having a field goal kicker last year, they – they end up going for it on fourth down a couple of occasions where if they had a kicker, I know they would have gone for the three-point for the field goal. So uh, with somebody like Lutz there kicking, you know, 50 yards plus, that could be the difference. And you could end up with a couple extra wins this season just on the strength of his leg alone. So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how often they call on him this year. And then looking at the Bucks, Saints feel like they're trending up a little bit, but it almost feels like the Bucks are trending down because – yeah, Tom Brady can take off and like he's 45. He's 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 a seasoned veteran. He doesn't need the training camp. He doesn't need the practice, but at the same time, he's got one of his receivers and Chris Godwin coming off an ACL tear. He's getting Julio Jones, but Julio Jones has taken a step back, so you're not as scared of him as you used to be in the past. You you don't have Gronk currently. And you lost O.J. Howard, so your number one tight end was your number three from last year in Cameron Brait. The offensive line has taken hits because you've lost through injuries. They're down two centers. The defense, they've lost a couple pieces like in Dominican Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul. They have a young guy in Joe Tryon, but is he going to make up for it? And we know that they have really good linebackers in Devin White and Levante David. But the secondary, I mean, if they don't, if the pass rush doesn't get there right away, that secondary gets exposed very easily. So it, it feels like the Saints are slightly trending up, while the Bucks are trending down. It's like the Bucks were fourteen and three last year. I mean, you, it almost feels like you got to knock them down two, two pegs, and you move up two pegs with the Saints. They're both they're eleven and five, twelve and five, eleven and six. Yeah, it, it'll be about that same record if the Saints, if they sweep the Bucks again, that gives them the that gives them the division win and they they host a playoff game. Yeah, I don't I don't think the Bucks can can repeat what they did last year. Last year everything went right for them. The ball bounced right. They had some breaks to go their way, and it's just tough to repeat. I think they haven't been a repeat winner, you know, since free agency. You know, you've got all the, the guys. You, you can't afford to sign all your people back. Other teams come and throw a bunch of money at your players, so you lose a lot of depth off the Super Bowl winning team. So it's just going to be tough for them to even win their division because of all the things that have gone wrong so far and the players they've lost, the injuries, and new head coach. It's just a lot to overcome if you're going to try to repeat as Super Bowl champs from with a team with that many problems. Well, well, we're going to take a timeout here. You listen to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. 
college football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. If that's not enough action, you can also place a same-game parlay for a shot at an even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win, which team will score first, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. There's a call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 issued as $825 free bets. Restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to the game. This is the Jordan Horberg Show, and I'm your host, Duriel Harris. South, the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Hey, James, look at some of these uh, rookie grades you were talking about earlier. Uh, Green Bay Packers tackle uh, Zach Torn has yet to allow a pressure or a sack over 40, plays, 40 pass plays this year, two Ooh. preseason games. Oh, okay. All right, he's he's making a name for himself, trying to trying to get that competition and be the opposite side of a uh, David Bakhtiari. Exactly, uh, Miami Dolphins wideout uh, Eric Exuma has caught two of his three contested targets through two weeks of the ranking uh, as fifth highest graded rookie. That's that's yeah, that's pretty good as well. I, I don't know how much of I don't know how much play he's gonna get since he's got competition with Tyree Kill and. Jalen Waddle, but I mean, he could be my, the third guy. He he could potentially be the third or fourth wide receiver since Devontae Parker. They they traded him to New England not too long ago. And then uh, Michigan product uh, Josh Ross ranks the top graded rookie after standing out through two weeks of coverage for the Baltimore Ravens. Hey, uh, this is this is kind of why I like preseason. It's not the best football, but I get to see. Who's maybe standing out and could potentially take a veteran's job? Because like sometimes, you you always want to kind of go with the cheap option, especially since there's a cap now. So it's like, look, if if you've had your time in the limelight, but there's a rookie or second year player that's just standing out and making plays, and you're not, I gotta go with the I gotta go with the young buck. It's gonna cost less, and he's younger. He'll probably recover faster. And, he may have a little more spring in his junk. <laughs> that's hey, that's the life of the NFL player. It's competition every year. Uh, some of it you're prepared for, some of it you're not. And not you know, just because they didn't draft someone behind your position doesn't mean that you're safe. Someone, yeah. someone come out of nowhere and and take your job. So it's always competitive this time of year, and guys are just you know fighting for their positions, trying to hold on to what they have. There was there was a former Chiefs head coach, I believe. He said the NFL, because he, he was telling it to a ref, because the ref was making some bad calls, in his opinion. And he was saying, you know what the NFL stands for? Not for long. Not for long <laughs> if you keep making those calls. That's right. You keep looking over your shoulder, somebody's gaining on you. So, oh, yeah, yeah, not for long. You always have to keep that competitive edge and try and stay on top of your game. You you, you can't let up. Yeah, if, if you don't like competition, this game is not for you, I promise you. <laughs> You you will be easily replaced. Yes, yes. You'll be 
you'll be living in a different zip code every week. <laughs> Are there any – I know you're looking to watch the Saints and the Tigers and the Cajuns and the Cowboys this year. But are there any other teams, whether it be NFL or college, that you're looking at? I know, I know you are going to take a little bit of a look at your New Mexico State Aggies. Yes, I'm really keeping an eye on those guys. Got a new head coach out there. Uh, see what they're going to do this year. And uh, also, I'll be keeping an eye on the Dolphins. Uh, this is the what third year for Tua. He's got to got to bring it this year, or else we're going to be looking to do something else because he's had a a couple years and just hadn't made that jump yet. So I'm hoping this year. Uh, it could be the year that he really steps forward. Yeah, I mean, they traded for Tyreek Hill. They they traded a bunch of draft picks. They got Jalen in last year's draft. They signed literally four new running backs. So that running back room looks completely different. So it's like you got a lot of options. Chase Edmonds is a pretty solid receiving back. You The offensive line, not the best, but you did get an all-pro in former Saints tackle Teron Armstead. Now, how often will he play because he is injury-prone? That is yet to be seen. But while he's on the field, damn good tackle. And then the defense still pretty solid. you got two great corners in in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Hey, we're solid, and we've got all these weapons for two. He's just got to get them the ball, make the right, make the right decisions, don't turn over. But we've got the weapons now, so I'm really excited about – uh, this season, I think this might be the year we can uh, get something done down there in South Florida. Yeah, and I hear people talking about how Tua has a noodle arm. And I wouldn't say it's a noodle arm. I mean, shoot, we, we've seen plenty of plays so far where he, he's he's getting it about 60 yards and he's hit Tyreek in stride on on deep posts and on deep shot routes. I mean, he's he's got the accuracy, and if anything, he's really good at throwing outside the numbers. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Uh, passion on the run, as moving out of the pocket, rolling out. It's just that uh, you know it, it hadn't come together. Some guys have a more difficult time making that transition from the the college game to the professional game. So, uh, but some guys come around at year three, year four. They're like different players. So we're hoping that this year he makes that that final jump and get uh, to where he can be because the guy has all the tools. So we're just waiting for the guy to put it together. And then I remember seeing a video not too long ago, before the before the preseason game, he was in an empty, in the empty Dolphins stadium, and he was by himself, and he was just kind of going over like acting like he was in a huddle. It was the same thing with like Russell Wilson when he was when he injured his finger, he was out there long before the game, hours before the game, and just kind of going through plays and just going through the repetition, kind of trying to figure out Mike McDaniel's new offense since. This is this is the first year for the former 49er coach. So he's just kind of going through the offense. He's kind of going through the progressions and how he sees it while he's actually on the field. Instead of just kind of reading the plays off the playbook, he's, he's memorized it, but also looking at it and trying to visualize it on the field. He doesn't have the guys, but it's just the fact that he's doing it by himself and taking that extra time to try and learn it. That shows, like, that's dedication. He's actually willing to learn and get better. And I've been down on Tua since he had that injury. He had that ankle injury right before LSU, a couple weeks before LSU in 2019. He got the surgery, and then he came back super early. It was way too early, and you could you could tell. He made some good throws, but he just wasn't the same. And it, it felt like the last two years that he's been with the Dolphins, it's the same thing, but it feels like this is the time where he steps up. He's got the weapons. He's got a new... I would say QB friendly 
system, and he's also taken that extra time to go through the progressions and visualize how the play is going to go while he's actually on the field instead of it just running through maybe walkthroughs or doing a practice. Just being on the actual field itself, I would say, is different than being on the practice field. Yeah, it's, it's muscle memory, but uh, he had Fitzgerald kind of, you know, to to educate him and school him on the position. Now he's there by himself. He he doesn't have to look behind him over his shoulder for anybody. It's his job to, to have. So this could be the year where he just, you know, puts it all together and come out and be that player that they're expecting him to be and uh, lead the Dolphins to a, to a playoff spot. Yeah, you don't have to worry about Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy's kind of – unfortunately, I, I wish the best for Teddy since he was a former state and he came in for Drew when he got injured. But at this point – Teddy's just a career backup and kind of a journeyman and trying to help mentor. So he's not really there to take to his job. Yeah, I think he's here to help him with the game. And, and he's reliable. If, if Tua does go down, we know that we've got an experienced quarterback who can come in and, and make something happen. So I, I'm, I'm happy that we have him. Oh, yeah. I, I For me, I was down on Tua, but I, I feel like the Dolphins, it'll be very close. I, I think the – It'll be obviously the Vills who are number one in the division, but it'll be a very close race between two and three with the Patriots and the Dolphins. I think the Patriots will edge them out, but I think you'll I think you'll see some improvements when it comes to the Dolphins and having a first year head coach and a third year quarterback who's learning a new system. Yeah, I think they'll be competitive week in and week out, and that's that's all I can ask for. Be competitive, so. Well, we'll see. Hey, we got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll be talking with uh, Jim Gazello from Lake Charles American Press. Uh, he covers uh, all things McNeese. So we'll be back in a few minutes. You listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For Sports Talk Love, that is... I'm ready for love. Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our awards club, you will have the opportunity to win some excellent prizes, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, or a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or even a $25 gift certificate to Maple's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So sign up today. Welcome back to the game. I'm your host, Dario Harris, filling in for Jordy Goldberg. And we've got uh, Jim Gazzolo from Lake Charles American Press. Hey, Jim, how's it going today, man? All right, how are you doing filling in? Um, you got the blonde bomber today. Yeah, yeah, they got me sitting in the big guy's chair today. I'm feeling pretty good. Hey, you know, I came so close to being a cowboy years ago. Uh, they, they used to recruit heavily down there in the Beaumont, Port Arthur area. And I think the only thing that kept me from, from being a cowboy, it was just too close to home. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that happens a lot with kids down here. But uh, 
I, I think you did all right without it. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, it worked out great in Las Cruces, but New Mexico State. Hey, listen, I, I know you guys have a, a new head coach there, and I'm just curious that you know, you've been around. Uh, what would you say some of the differences that you've noticed between Coach Goff and Coach Wilson? Well, it, it's not really just Frank Wilson. It's the three previous coaches before him. Um, Goff, Goff is a guy that's coming up from Division Two. He's not a guy coming down with pedigree from FBS. Right. So whatever we have here is an upgrade, so he's not kind of worried about what he doesn't have. Right. And really, the biggest difference is he wants to be here. He's not looking for the next job. Rightfully, all those guys before coming back from FBS were, were kind of looked to the next FBS job they could get. Right. He's here to build this program, build his resume, and then he'll move on once he's accomplished that. So that's the different culture that's being set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Mac Meese has a you know great history in, in football. I mean they, I mean won some championships, some titles. Uh, been a real good school and a good program. So I know they're looking to turn it around. But I heard you guys are going to be under the lights this year for the first time in a long time, right? Uh, first time since 2019. First time back at seven o'clock since 2014, and that's a huge deal. Um, it, it's not uh, noon games. <laughs> <laughs> in September and early October are not uh, good. No, no, not down. <laughs> um, but that was that was the Hurricanes, and they had no options. So right, now right. their lights are back up, and uh, they drew nicely for their first night scrimmage the other night. Right. Well, speaking of that, let's talk about those Cowboys. Uh, so far, how there's, how's the team looking this year in camp? Well, it's a completely different team. There's 58 newcomers, 15 from the transfer portal. Uh, two quarterbacks that are, that are competing for the job from FBS level uh, that transferred in. Uh, completely different attitude as far as that goes. And really the biggest thing is they quit try- They quit t- worrying about being victims mm-hmm. from Hurricanes with the new group. They right. weren't here for it. Right. So they're just trying to establish themselves. And that That's the biggest attitude of all is they're not worried about the past. Right, right. What about that, that quarterback battle going there? Have they settled on the quarterback yet? No, 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 no. Uh, I don't think it'll be settled until week three when they come home, probably. They have two guys, Knox Keatum uh, from Virginia Tech and uh, Cam Ransom from Georgia Southern. Both have been good. Both have been bad. Um, <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, both have also been hurt. Right. So they're behind a little bit. I think he, he, I think he plans on playing two quarterbacks for a couple weeks. Now, uh, what about Coach Goff? What type of offense is he going to be running this year over there? Uh, it is, he runs he runs the Mike Leach air raid. Okay. Um, except for this, he is different in this fact: is he will take he had three thousand yard rushers last year at Valdosta State. Mm-hmm. If you give him, he gives the quarterback the option. If you give him eight in the box, he will throw the ball deep. If you give him eight deep, he will run the ball. He's going to play off of what your defense is and take whatever you give. Right. Right. As far as the uh, the rankings this year, how did they fare in the rankings, and how many wins do you think they might have this year? Well, rankings they're not uh, <laughs> they're they're not too fair. They were they were. It's been thirty three years since they lost two straight losing seasons. They had them both in twenty twenty one because of the spring and summer ga- seasons. Right. So that's a thirty three year low. Um, they're not ranked, and uh, I, I think if they can switch their their record go from four and seven to seven and four. Right. I think that would be a win. Anything above that is is kind of nirvana for here right now. Right, right. What about 
uh, far as the team itself, uh, you think the, the strengths of the team is going to be on the offensive side or the defensive side? No, it's, it's going to be on defense again. Uh, they, they returned four all-conference preseason guys. Uh, they re- returned Cordell Williams, who's their best tackler and led the conference in, in tackles last year. They were number one or two in defense all year long. Defensively was not the problem. The problem last year was they had no depth on the offensive line. At the end of last year, they were playing four freshmen, three of which were walk-ons wow. without scholarships. Oh, that's tough. Anyway. Uh, and, and they just and they had no they had no backups. They could not practice, and that was because of the hurricanes. A lot of kids left town uh, and and left to play elsewhere for good reason. And they they just were in a desperate spot just to have bodies. Yeah, just to get somebody out there. Uh, what about for your schedule this year? I haven't uh, really got to memorize yet, but how's the schedule look? Is it in your favor, you think, for uh, the games you have coming uh, up? It's, uh, no. <laughs> they open at number two, uh, Montana State. Oh, then goodness. they go to Rice. Yeah. Then they come home for three games, and I think they can make some hay there. They have some beatable opponents. But mm-hmm. the, the three biggest co- conference games, which is Southeastern, Nichols, and Incarnate Word, all three ranked teams, they're, two of the three are on the road. Um but I, I think that they, they have a good favorable ending to theirs. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be a better football team at the end of the year, the beginning, as they kind of get to know each other more. They just haven't. They have a lot of kids with talent from FBS. They just haven't played together. Right, right. And Forrest, I know it's a little bit ahead, but Forrest, you know, recruiting, it's almost like a year-round business these days. Uh, has Coach Goff given you any insight on his recruiting and what, maybe what areas they're going to concentrate on trying to find athletes or what? Well, he's definitely gonna. He's definitely gonna. He gets every, almost everybody comes back, depending on the portal. Um, but I think he really wants to establish a base of where he's getting his talent from, mm-hmm. and that is Houston to Lafayette as his base because they're really big in Houston, getting kids from Houston, kids in Beaumont, right. places like that. They, they've done a good job in the past. He wants to reestablish that as kind of his base. But more importantly is he thinks that he can really sell this program once it's back at night, right. once they start drawing 16,000, 17,000 again. Remember, they, they're coming off two years where they couldn't draw 6,000 because people were passing out in the stands at noon yeah, yeah, it's too in hot. September. Right. People just didn't show up. Right. If they can do some things right, uh, they think that they can kind of rebrand themselves and remake the good times, and then his recruiting base will open up to where it was before. Yeah, and with that new transfer portal, that's that's changed the game a lot. So you got a chance to get some of these kids who may have uh, been talked into going somewhere and find out they're not going to ever hit the field and want to play. These kids are leaving and, and going somewhere they can get opportunities. So there may be a chance to, to pick up a couple you know, g- great guys through that portal. Yeah. Well, that's why they're kind of the unknown this year. Not only are there 58 newcomers, but 15 of those being transfers, portal wow. guys, 13 of them are from FBS schools coming yeah. to play a fifth year down or a fourth year down because they weren't getting enough time in that level. They got a receiver from San Diego State. They got a receiver from Utah. Uh, they got a running back from Colorado State. Uh, they, got a, they got a kid from Georgia. They got a kid from South Carolina. They got a lot of people from a lot of places. Right. It's just got to get golf some... really new. Now, can they keep them and can they keep that uh, pipeline open is the question. Yeah, and they can, if they can get familiar with each other, too, because there's like a lot of yeah. bodies coming in that haven't worked or played together. So. I guess it's going to be interesting to see how, how how far and how fast they progress as a team. Yeah, and that's and that's his biggest thing is his like his entire secondary is from FBS schools. Mm-hmm. 
but they've never played together. So the talent's there, right? but how do they play together? Yeah, that's going to be a big key. Well, sound, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be exciting either way. I mean, with all the talent you got there and, and all the unknowns, that, that leaves it for a, you know anything can happen. So it should be exciting down there, Lake Charles, watching these guys play this year. Let's put it this way. There's a buzz in the air that hasn't been here since probably 2016. Right, right. Well, we're going to be uh, keeping an eye and uh, watching you guys and looking forward to some, some good things there. But let me switch over to James. James has a couple questions for you, Jim. All right. Yeah, Jim, Um, who is one offensive and defensive player that you would say is either standing out or is going to be the leader for each side of the ball? Um, defensively, I think it'll be Williams. Uh, but also, C.J. Simon had a great camp, and he's a defensive end tackle that can do some things he's had a really good camp he was voted one of their two captains for the um before the uh, camp started but also i i think the breakout guys are going to be the running backs expect especially uh deontay mcmahon uh, mcmahon ran for 560 yards last year but he's bigger he's stronger and i think this offensive line being better will allow him to do some things that he couldn't do last year also, I think that the one thing people have to remember is this program, because of COVID, because of the hurricanes, and they didn't have a weight room in that for a year and a half, they hadn't been in the weight room for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. So they hit the weight room really hard this year, and that is a noticeable difference in their sizes and their speeds. Um, this was about as, when they lost to Northwestern State in November, that was about as low as this place has been in a long, long time. Uh, so to see any kind of a rebound and just any kind of a normalcy for a buildup of a season is is different. Uh, I got a couple more for you. One of them, uh, one of them being the Cajuns and the Tigers. They are both in the middle of a kicker competition. Do the Cowboys have one as well, or is there one solidified already? Well, if you know anything about the Cowboys last year, we didn't have a kicker at all. We had six run through. Mm-hmm. Uh, the girls that kicked it at the end of the first quarter as a as a giveaway were better than our kicker, <laughs> literally better percentage wise than oh. the kicker. Oh, man. Um, that was a disaster. He went out and he got Garrison Smith and gave him a scholarship in Ohio State transfer. He's probably the leader on board and will get the first shots. But he got a kid named Mayo uh, from junior college that's kicked very well in the preseason. So I would say there's not really competition yet. But there's depth to where last year was just an absolute disaster. Yeah, you got to have that insurance after what happened last year. What... We couldn't kick extra points down here, man. <laughs> you, had, you had to go for two every time, I'm sure. Yes. And one more for you. So, out of all the games that you're going to be covering, which one would you say are you most excited about? I want to see how they do at Rice. Because Rice is the FBS school that is a mid-level to lower-level FBS school. Everybody knows McNeese wants to move up to FBS level. And how they travel and how they play against competition in the, in the Conference USA is the where they want to go. That, to me, is kind of the where do we stand with our future goals of getting to the big dance stuff uh, and moving up a level. That's the game that I have the biggest eye on because – that's the game that they've kind of said, this is who we want to be. And I want to see how close they are to that. Hey, well, Jim, this is Durrell again. Hey, man, I just want to say I really appreciate you coming on today and giving us that insight on the Cowboys. And hopefully we can get back and talk to you during the year and, and see how the progress is going that way. 
All right, no problem. Anytime. All right, take care. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. All right, thanks. All right. And welcome back. You're at the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. If that's not enough action, you can also place a same-game parlay for a shot at an even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win, which team will score first, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. There's a call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 issued as $825 free bets. Restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to the game. I'm your host, Dario Harris, sitting in for Jordy Goldberg. Okay, James, I said I wasn't going to bring this up, but I know you're dying to talk about the New York Yankee fan <laughs> that made a straw out of his hot dog. Go ahead. It's yours. Tell us all about it. Oh, they talked about it this morning on RP3 and company. I mean, the guy used a straw to poke a hole through his hot dog and then – Got rid of the straw. I don't even know what happened to the bun. <laughs> but whenever you saw the video, you just saw a straight hot dog. Pokes a hole through it, through both sides, so it could go through. Gets rid of the straw, and then uses the hot dog as the straw to drink his beer. I, I, points for creativity, but why? That's what I'm wondering. Uh, maybe maybe the beer was the marinade for the hot dog. <laughs> yeah, New Yorkers are different. I mean, that's the only conclusion I can come to. Well, you can go online. Maybe you'll find the answer. We'll talk about it the next show. Hey, we want to thank our guest today. Uh, we had uh, Corey Diaz from the Daily Advertiser talking all things Raging Cajuns. And the second hour, we had Jim Gazzola from Lake Charles American, uh, American Press talking about the Magnese Cowboys. And... Uh, that's going to do it for our show. Get, we've got going to commercial break, or you? We got We got a, We got a couple more minutes. Okay. Well, go ahead. You can uh, tell us more about the, the the dog then. Well, I was going to ask you about since I mean it's Tuesday. We've kind of moved on from the Saints Packers preseason game. I'm almost wondering what what are you looking for on Friday when the Saints play the Chargers in the Superdome? Well, I'm hoping to see more starters for one. I like to see the first unit play at least the first half, and uh, then they can bring in some other guys in the second half. But uh, you get a better feel when they're putting the, the stars or veterans on the field, and we got number one going against number one versus, you know, one versus three. Uh, that way we can see how the offense does against the number one defense and vice versa. So uh, if they both just play the vets the first half, I'll be happy. Then we can kind of get a better feel of where both teams are at this time of the year. Do you think – because – 
we already know pretty much the first three receivers. We know Mike, Chris, and Jarvis. I feel like Deontay Hardy's got a really good. Sh- he's pretty much solidified his role and has a spot on that roster. So that pretty much normally that only leaves one receiver left. Feels like Marquez Callaway has a very good chance of being that other receiver. But is there anyone else that you think has a good shot? Like maybe a Kirk Merritt or a Dejon Dixon or maybe like a Rashid Jaheed that could make it? Because you also have Traquan Smith who's been with the Saints since 2018, but he's he's never really stepped up. Yeah, they got a couple guys with experience there, but they just haven't uh, uh, broken through to really show that they can uh, that they can produce. So I think those guys are on the block, and I think Dixon has a great chance. Everybody's counting him out because undrafted rookie, but the guy has been making some plays. He has the size, the speed. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes that lineup this year. Really, and, uh, I know they say he to uh, produce doing the special teams, but that's something he can do. But I see a big target like that. The Saints can use the guy, so. I think he's got a great shot uh, of making that final receiver spot. I, th- I think he's got a solid chance. I just, I just know Marquez. He's played special teams pretty much every year, as well as being a receiver. So it's like, and also the Saints love having that familiarity in that room. So I, I personally think it'll be Marquez, but I am interested to see who will be the other guy. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be about what another eight nine ten days before it happened we'll we'll know the answer and then we get a, a preview as to how long to let the guys play uh friday night so if, if dixon gets enough action out there he could really make it happen and uh, secure a spot well that's gonna wrap it up for the Jordy hope show today i'm durio harris you listen to the game 